Good afternoon, people, and welcome to the Rangers Review afternoon briefing, uh, you could say, as we react to the AGM this morning. I'm Derek Clark, and I'm joined uh, by a full squad today. Great to have uh, Joshua Barry on, first of all. How are we doing, Joshua? I can see some Christmas decorations behind you. Yeah, the tree, which is taller than it looks. Um, five, five, and, five and a half feet. Put it up last night, so um, yeah, feeling Christmassy. But you know, good. Obviously, plenty to discuss. Just back from the the AGM, um, and a lot of topics covered. A lot of topics not covered that people want is covered. So yeah, lots to talk about, Derek. Yeah, we'll get our teeth stuck into it shortly. Stevie Clifford also joins us. You were there as well, Stevie. Um, good to have you on. Um, a lot of talking points, as Joshua mentioned there. Mate, see before we go, why why is there no star on that tree, Joshua? What's happening there? Like, <laughs> good point. There's nothing there. It's like we actually went to get a star last night, and we went to um, went to Dobby's, and my better half didn't like any of. The, she wanted a specific one. I think she wanted it to be gold, and there was no gold star. So we're gonna have to I go back. Well, seen that you've just listened to Ross Wilson speak for an hour and deflect every question that went at you because <laughs> you've just done the exact same blame. Yeah, which, which is which is true, but yeah, but aside from that. It's well decorated, good colours on it, nice lights. So I'll have a star. Next time, next time I'm on, I'll have a star. You can hold me to it. I expect a picture of Michael Beale. Um, Derek, it was a very interesting AGM. A couple of good points on that have, have kind of resonated and stuck with me, but it covered quite a bit. As Joshua said, there wasn't there was a few things that I thought would come up that weren't mentioned, but it was certainly a worthwhile morning. That's for sure. Yeah, before we talk about the AGM, this is uh, the most pressing issue, uh, Stevie. James Snedden gets in touch. Has Stevie been hitting the sunbeds? Uh, have you been uh, seeking a, a don't sun deflect, shower? Don't deflect, Stevie, don't deflect. <laughs> no, I, uh, uh, I don't sunbed. Like, obviously, mate, listen, look at me. Like, you can't do anything with this. Like, you can't make this better. So there's no sunbeds or anything for me. You're just so going. No, it might just be the way the lights reflecting in or something, but no, I am oh, really yeah. right and Wally is normal. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Geza A says uh, Joshua is a star, so uh, there we go, Joshua. Stick oh, yourself in the top is. of your tree. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's talk football and Rangers because that's why people are tuning in. Uh, you guys were at the AGM, lots to discuss. Uh, Joshua was well attended uh, by all accounts as a thread. Joshua was there for us. It, it, it uh, did a little Twitter thread. Uh, folks, go and check it out. All the big points uh, are on there. Um, Joshua, what was your, the main takeaways for you? Yeah, well, you're right, Derek. I think uh, Stuart Robertson said it was the busiest AGM he'd seen since he'd been at the club. Um one of these things where it's built up so much and you're speaking to people in the foyer beforehand and you say, what do you think it's going to be like? And and ultimately, I think these um, these types of events, because there's obviously only a set amount of time, I think it was just over an hour and a half, Stevie, um, that they were on for. There was a good chunk of questions, but obviously not everyone gets to ask a question because I think you'd be there all day. I, I thought the atmosphere, it was going to be telling at the start the type of reaction that the board got. Um, to, to my eyes, there was you know a bit of a, a trepid uh, an air of trep. What am I trying to say there? Trepidation. Thank you, trepidation. Um, there was kind of muted applause uh, throughout, and you know because obviously financially, I guess the club can show um, positive uh, developments from last year. But th the reality is, this is a football conversation. It's a football podcast. Rangers are a football club, and when people have been dissatisfied with 
the product that's on show and raising a number of concerns such as the the, the value of the squad, where is the value of the squad at the moment, uh, the injury list, things off the park as well. Then there is always going to be an element of a frosty atmosphere. There is an update on the, the disabled facilities, which is something that's come up in uh, quite a lot of previous AGMs. Lots of questions uh, to put to Ross Wilson in the in the question and answer session about contract situations, the player trading model. Uh, he was asked um, a number of questions regarding that. Um, just trying to see what else. Douglas Park asked a couple of questions by representatives of Club 1872. He also interestingly weighed in on the Kenton Morello's contract debate and he, and he didn't speak much Douglas Park so I thought that was quite interesting that he chose that moment to um, discussions about loans um, Michael Beal had a, a little Q&A as well so a lot of things covered Derek uh, looking at Twitter after there was things not covered that people wanted to be covered as well um, but yeah plenty of topics for us to, to kind of discuss over the next wee while Yeah absolutely um, What was the big thing for you Stephen that, that, that stood out from the AGM this morning? There was two big points. I think for us watching um, and, and people like kind of wanting the football side of it, I think the biggest thing that I took away from today and Joshua and I immediately looked at each other when it was said was when it was talking about the player contracts and, and the question was at Ross Wilson saying, you know, basically, are you happy? You said a couple of years ago at the AGM you were kind of content with the way the situation was at the club with, with the contracts. They asked him directly on Alfredo and, and, and Ryan Kent's contract situation and was he still in that and and you know happy with how it was going. He basically gave a a, a, a reply of, you know, it, it takes a lot of factors, the the players, the contract, agents, uh, wives, etc. He gave basically tried to explain it and said that the club are still hopeful. Out of nowhere, as something Joshua alluded to, um Douglas Park kind of spoke with, without being prompted and basically said, and Joshua will be able to confirm this as well, he said that sometimes when you negotiate and then you try and settle and, and get a result of a contract um, negotiation, the other party simply wants too much money and, and you, you can't go anywhere. And that was it. It was a very brief description and it more or less told me that Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos want too much money. He didn't come out and say that, but that's certainly what we all took in the room from it. Um, Joshua and I spoke about it immediately. It was it was a very impromptu comment. It, it wasn't asked upon him. He, he didn't um, he, he didn't get invited to speak. He basically just said, you know, we've got a wage platform, and you know, if sometimes people just want too much money. Everybody in that room, there was a a noticeable. I wouldn't say gasp, but there was a noticeable response to it so that was a from a footballing point of view that was a big takeaway from today above Michael Beale and above the situation was Douglas Park's reaction to that so that's the big the big thing um football and wise he also Douglas Park again he was prompted by club 1872 to to kind of answer and and give a five-year plan and he was very brief he basically just said the five-year plan is to get this football club winning as much as possible and as many trophies as possible. Then he went on to say, interestingly again, unprompted, he went on to say that he really wants a dispute with Club 1872 resolved. He would like that immediately sorted. He doesn't set out to fall with out with anyone. We're all fans together, but they must sign an NDA. Now, 
that is very interesting for me, those two points, because these are things that we've spoken about a lot as a fan base. Um, so they were the big things that I took away from today. A lot of the questions were run-of-the-mill. A lot of kind of pointed ones, I'm sure Joshua maybe agree, at Ross Wilson, which speaks a wee bit for where the fan base is at the moment in terms of confidence surrounding him and players coming in. So th those were the, the big points of the day. The financial stuff we obviously know about, um, the, the the points regarding the disabled access was very interesting. That's probably something, Derek, to, to go over after this bit because there's bits about seating being, yeah. you know, coming out and then building on and stuff. But if we're wanting to properly focus on that, that would maybe be a, a good idea to come back to that bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, I do plan to. The, the point uh, Stevie was making there um, with regards to Douglas Park talking about Kent and Morelos, Joshua was an interesting one. Ross Wilson was uh, uh, quizzed on that. Um, the question was put to him. You said you're comfortable with the contracts uh, or uh, Alfredo and Ryan. Why have uh, we allowed them to run down their contracts? Uh, he responded, it's not a case of allowing it. There is a willingness from the club and manager for those players to stay with us and time will tell if that happens. Uh, why didn't they go in the summer? We've rejected one offer for both players on the basis that players were of more value. And we went on to be league champions that same season. We've rejected one offer for each of the two players as their value to us was worth more than what was offered. Um, he touched on that. And the interesting point from the, the chairman, uh, Douglas Park, on uh, the comments that he made suggesting uh, that maybe the players are, are just seek are seeking future... Elsewhere, and that's that's a point. That's not a case of offering uh, players contracts and name signing. There's a lot of factors you need to consider, family and what have you. Um, they have been in Scotland for for some time, but from the comments that you heard at the AGM, uh, are you how confident are you that, that those two players are going to sign new deals? Mm, probably not that confident. Um, you can dress these contract situations up, I think, in a lot of different ways. You can use Conor Goldson as a, a positive example. I don't think you want to make a habit of that because you, it, it limits your ability to, I think, plan for the future. Um, yes, Conor Goldson did sign on last summer, but had he chose not to, Rangers, I think, would have been obviously in a more um, kind of difficult situation and are kind of at the mercy of, of waiting until a player has made their mind up. Now, of course, that is par for the course, I guess, in, in football. Players have more power. They're represented by agents who know what they're doing. Um, it's not like it was, I guess, even 10, 15 years ago with contracts. And Ross Wilson did say that effectively that they've only had one offer for either player, which was rejected in the tight winning season. But that was a long time ago. Um, and, and since that point, you know, you're talking, say, those offers two years ago or whatever. Um, the players haven't either been moved on or, or signed new contracts. So while someone like Morelos, you would look at him if he, he was to go in the summer and say for the, the you know for what he gave one million pounds etc etc um another question was put to ross wilson about the evaluation dave king made of the squad in 2019 now wilson i think said with um fairly said that there wasn't signs behind king's uh, squad assessment i think wilson as a his with his background would know more about the valuation of players probably i think it's fair to say that what I think you can say is until Beal comes in and, and the board will hope develops these players, someone like Kamara and gets them back to something somewhere near in their potential. And Beal said this at his first press conference last Thursday. He said one or two players are not at the valuation they were six or eight months ago, which harms the club and, and effectively harms everyone in, involved unless, I guess, the player gets uh, what they want. And, and that's 
completely true. So at the moment, Rangers are not in a position where, yes, they can show, okay, next year we'll have the Bassey and Aribo um, uh, money in the accounts. They've had passes and they've broken the the player trade the, the the record fee however many times twice in in the last year. But going forward from this position, where are the, the sellable assets? And that's why the Kent and Morello situation. Although you can say Douglas Park, what he's effectively saying is you can't be completely at the mercy of players, which is true. But also, if the club puts so much emphasis on the player tra- trading model, then I think criticism is going to follow when players like Kent and Morello's are in this situation, if that makes sense. Hopefully that point made, made somewhat of a sense. But um, uh, for, for as much as it was, I think, fair what Douglas Park was saying, I also think the Rangers are in this situation. It's not a situation they'd want to be in with Kent and Morelos, and I don't think you can kind of dress it up in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, at this point here, uh, Stevie James uh, Perry says, did anyone ask why the player trading model uh, is not working? I know that Stuart Robertson uh, issued a, a defence of uh, Ross Wilson, but in terms of the, the trading model, was that a question that was posed to the board at all? Yeah, it was. Um, there was quite a, a, a long question asking basically about player trading and and why, um, Joshua will keep me right on this, and, and why basically the percentage of players that we bought in of the seven out with um, Cholak, I think only six full games out of the 27 had been played and was recruitment good enough and is the player trading model basically working? And that was then turned into, did the board have backing in, in Ross Wilson, which at this point, Derek, you could tell the room, there was obviously some support for the questions towards Ross Wilson and people feeling that it wasn't been good enough. Stuart Robertson pretty pretty quickly and pretty defiantly gave a, a, a unanimous backing to, to Ross Wilson and said that, in the three years that he's been here, the playing squad had dramatically improved and our situation had dramatically improved since then. Ross Wilson went on to give a, a pretty fair, fairly robust defence of himself, which he's entitled to do. He said that Ross Wilson doesn't sign players. We sign them as a department and that he as a club, they were aware of the situation with John Souter, as an example he used, and um, because that was one of the criticisms, Derek, that was given to him, who signed off on that deal, yeah. being a man that had missed I think um, 40, 40% of games or something he mentioned for Hearts, so he basically said that they're hopeful, uncomfortable that they can get to the bottom of the John Souter situation, injury-wise, and they can fix that he also went on to say that a lot of the valuations that the, the gentleman was asking him about, namely um, Janino Bakuna, who he'd said cost £2 million, was completely false. Janino Bakuna was a free transfer, didn't cost Rangers anything, and indeed we made money off him. There was a suggestion that um, Aaron Ramsey, you know, it cost us upwards of £3 million to get him completely rubbished again, said that the valuations were nowhere near true. So... He, he was pretty, I think Joshua would agree with us. I think that Ross Wilson was pretty robust in his defence of himself naturally. Yeah. But I think he was also trying to say, he, you know, he took the questions on board and he, he didn't hide away from them. But I think he was trying to say that it's not as clear cut as, it, as it's painted. Yeah. He doesn't, over, like, it's not him doing all the work. It's not him signing the players. It's a collective no player will come in that he doesn't have the, the or the final say on kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, I th- so when yeah. the trading, the, the player trading model was definitely covered, but it was a robust defence of it instead of there being a, 
Um, he, he understood that while we're saying things, it's never good enough and it's going to be critical. And he does also appreciate that he needs to get more out of the players that came in. But the question was definitely raised and asked. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you, Stevie. Um, Wilson isn't sitting on Y Scout just signing players uh, every day of the week in, in, at, the, at the training centre. He oversees the football department, I guess. We only get an idea of exactly what his job entails day to day through through things like this because he's not someone that will, will do you know lots of, of media appearances. But the Bakuna thing is a good example, um, and it follows on from from similar messages over the last few weeks about the manager having the final say regarding recruitment. Now we know under Stephen Gerrard and uh, Wilson said this today. Bakuna was a player that the previous coaching staff wanted. He was free, so he, he was brought into the club. Um, when there was a question about um, why was there no Dutch player signed, Wilson said that uh, Van Bronckhorst brought one Dutch player that he wanted to sign. They agreed personal terms with him and he went and, and signed uh, signed for someone else. Yeah, Ross Wilson, now using, a, using his name in the third person, which I'm never a fan of, but he said Ross Wilson does not sign players. <laughs> um, again, that that's not, that that isn't according to him and according to, to other stuff we know is not just him drawing up a list he heads up the scouting department and I guess certain managers like Gerrard might have had more influence if, if he wanted certain players someone like John Lundstrom for example there would have been more um, of an emphasis placed on getting that player whereas Van Bronckhorst was perhaps someone that was more comfortable working um, under the direct sporting director uh, model and you know to, to go back to one of his final press conferences I think the line he said is there's no geo list there's there's just a Rangers list. Um, so I, th- I think criticism of the football department is justified because, again, of, of the contract situation and the fact that Rangers, of where they are, um, something that me and Stevie were talking about the AGM is you can plan five years ahead. Douglas Parks asked about his five-year plan. You can plan five years ahead as long as you win the next game. That was, um, I think it was a Bayer Leverkusen sporting director said that in an interview I was reading with him in, in The Athletic. Uh, and that's perhaps one part of the, the situation uh, that you, you reach with the AGM today and um, when performances uh, haven't been good at all. But yeah, Wilson was able to add some context to his role, what it entails, and, and, and that was interesting to hear. Um, but he, he was, uh, I think, the one on the stage who definitely got the most, um, probably the most criticism from from the, the, the Q&A time. Yeah, uh, Derek Clark very much appreciated that response, Joshua. So uh, yeah, big fan, big, big fan of that. Uh, like the dog coming in there, uh, Stevie, was he a, a fan of the AGM as well? Oh, she, uh, I, I told you last week when I was trying to, to, to do this show that as soon as I start speaking, she'll jump up, want attention and stuff like that. So she's now sitting at my feet with a ball wanting, <laughs> wanting attention. But um, yeah, I mean, I do think, like, see, overall today, I, I would agree with Joshua. I think Ross Wilson probably got it the most tight. There was the most questions asked of him and, and they were probably the most pointed questions I would say that's fair Joshua in terms of his performance and his recruitment it goes back to something I said last week one of the the big questions I put to Michael Beale in, in our time with him after his, his unveiling was are you going to get the final say are you going to be allowed to bring in your own players and and if you remember we discussed that as well on the show that it was quite a an extensive answer in terms of they were all adamant that it's Michael Beale's show and Ross Wilson does not sign players. He does not get the final say and nothing's kind of pushed on. But interestingly as well in that, Michael Beale did say that he was well aware of 
the players that have, have came in and their players that they've tracked previously as well. So there's a lot of kind of interesting things that perhaps recruitment is maybe not as straightforward as we think. Perhaps even criticisms of Ross Wilson aren't um, aren't viable or, or aren't fair. But what I would say in return to that is the exact same thing that I said to Ross Wilson himself, that when a void is created and when he doesn't speak to us and, and when yeah, there is silence and disconnect between the club and us, we're going to come to conclusions that are perhaps aren't right. And when Giovanni Van Bronckhurst has said things previously, I think that causes issues. Now, you know my position on that. I've been very vocal on here, but it was obvious from today, Derek, as well, that people in the room, shareholders, also felt the same thing. So it's probably, from a club point of view, an important viewpoint that they can sit and say, well, that's not factually correct, but maybe they have to be more forthcoming to the support and explain things better, and then we wouldn't there wouldn't be a disconnect as such. Yeah, uh, Michael Beale, of course, was was there in attendance. Joshua, the, uh, he spoke at the AGM. Uh, what was the main takeaways from uh, from that? Yeah, should just say as well, Derek. Obviously, people should not go and do this until our video is finished. But you can watch the AGM on Rangers YouTube channel. I didn't know if it was going to be made available. So if you want to uh, kind of, I guess, get, a whole, I think it's an hour and a half long. So maybe you don't want to watch the whole thing, but the question and answer section at the end, um, maybe in particular. I'm just going to read out what Beal said if I can find the tweet in front of me. Um, Beal kind of continued uh, on on the vein of in the vein of how he's spoken so far, which I think is is pretty well saying the right things. Um, in particular, when he was asked about the type of football that uh, he wants to play, I've not got it in front of me, but it is somewhere. I'll just summarise. Um, similar things about taking the handbrake off. Said an made an interesting comment about um, not adapting to anyone effectively, making teams adapt to, to Rangers, and, and that's. To go off from the kind of AGM topic for a second, that is quite contrasting to Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's footballing ideas. I don't think that's both managers will want to win. Managers have different ideas of, of how they want to win. Um, and and Beal quite defiant about making teams adjust to Rangers, playing like the big team. All the things he, he said previously, uh, but outlining his vision of, of how he makes uh, Rangers uh, into a winning team. So the... the, the all the talking he's done means nothing if, if Rangers don't go and win these games before the old firm. Um, but yeah. I, I, th I think if he came in with an ambition to, to build confidence a little bit uh, amongst the playing uh, playing squads and uh, uplift what has been a, a pretty uh, dismal mood for a few months, then he's, he's done as he mu as much as he can to achieve that. And, and naturally, you'd expect, as you'd expect there, the, the, the welcome was quite warm for him. He was certainly the one who got most applause when his name was read out at the start and when he went and did that, that small Q&A section. Yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, sorry, Derek, just, yep. kinda, just a wee bit more on, on what Joshua was saying there, because I realise that Joshua can't uh, find the bits on it. But he also said that training was very good. They'd done six sessions. Together, that's and his immediate intake from it all was that lots of energy, lots of enthusiasm, getting a good response back from the players. So he spoke a lot about his identity, wanting to get his identity onto the pitch as quickly as impossible, wants to excite the fans, wants the fans to, not only the fans, but wants the players to be excited and buy into it so that when we as fans go to the ground, they can be, we can be excited by what he's seeing. He also very classily paid tribute to Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, said, and I quote, a man of true class, did an exceptional job last year and felt very sorry for him, the circumstances and the way it went. Paid tribute also a wee bit to Stephen Gerrard for, for bringing him in. But 
he did make he, he said and I quote no bold statements from me no big um no big ideas I simply just want to get the team playing well play attacking football excite the fans and all concentration is on Hibs so he speaks really well and I spoke about this maybe before with you Derek that he he is ready to be Rangers manager he says all the right things he knows and he was very warmly very warmly received I think by the the shareholders today so that was very positive and he, he certainly speaks he speaks very well he knows the right things to say it's all about getting onto the pitch now yeah uh was there any joshua question come in here from bob uh was anything mentioned about the fox investment offer or any investment uh posed to the the board at all Stevie so someone asked, someone stood up and asked that question and, and uh john bennett's response uh, not about the, the fox investment offer but i think just yeah. in general the the potential of new investment um and bennett gave probably the shortest um answer of the afternoon when he said, "As long as I think I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but as long as some motions are passed today, uh, then yeah. yes." So basically, the the question was, the gentleman explained his background slightly and said, "Is there room for external investment, and is the club welcoming that?" Very short answer, as Joshua said, was yes, and it depends on resolutions passing today. Now, I believe that that is to do with resolution eight passing which um, obviously has hit the headlines because Dave's King spoke about it, etc. Yeah. That'll basically allow the club to ad hoc and, and um, create new shares to, to to basically give to outside external um, interests. So, I, and bear in mind, folks, I'm not, Derek, I'm not, I'm just a normal fan. So me knowing the, the ins and outs of this are a bit tricky, but that's the best explanation I can give it. If Resolution 8 gets passed, yeah. then we will be able to get new external um, investors. And incidentally, that gentleman was down at the um, stage speaking to the board afterwards and basically saying, I have money to invest in this football club. Can we do it? So um, that was, I was doing my best to log in as, as much <laughs> yeah. as I could. But, um, uh, that was that was interesting, but there was nothing mentioned about Fox investment in, yeah. in any way. That name wasn't brought up at all. Yeah, okay. Uh, Josh has to dive off shortly, but I just wanted to touch on uh, what Stevie mentioned uh, previously, Josh. This was news that broke uh, late last night. Rangers have proposed an Ibrook seating extension after plans were signed off to improve disabled facilities at the stadium. Uh, the new plans will see a total of 162 accessible spaces within the ground. Uh, as a result, stand seating will be reduced by 1,073, the club uh, proposed to add extra rows of seating in both the Copeland and Broomloan stands, uh, which would allow for 1,800 new seats. Uh, funding would be required for the proposal to be passed. Um, that was discussed at the AGM, wasn't it, Joshua? And, and yeah. what did you make of it? Yeah, well, um, this has been something that I think the club have, have needed to do uh, for a while. They started the this was a, the first presentation, and again, you can you can watch that if you want to to watch the AGM in full. It would be 162 uh, new accessible seats um, would be added there. That would see just over a thousand seats lost. But again, with that additional proposed uh, extensions to Irox um, along the Brimley and, and the Copeland. Um, I think it was the, the front of the upper tier that would add an extra 1,800, but funding would be needed for that. Um, there was a question put to Andrew Dixon, I think it was Andrew Dixon towards the end, about when work is proposed to, to, to start for that. And he said there's still work to be done, but the, the 
hopeful time frame for that is uh, the summer of 2023. Um, so again, that's something that I think has come up from memory the last couple of AGMs and has been something that I think that the club have needed to do. Um, if they're able to, uh, as we say, add those extra seats, then it would mean that Ibrox would get an extra, what, just over 700 seats as well as um, the 162 accessible seats uh, for those who need it. Uh, but I, as you mentioned, Derek, the funding the funding is needed for that. But you'd imagine that is something that, that would happen. They, they, they split the video into two segments to firstly show the the work that needed to be done for the, the accessible seats and then the work that needed to be done if the funding yeah. is available to add on those uh, 1,800 seats as mentioned. Yeah, right. Uh, Joshua, you're you're heading off, but uh, thanks very much for your input. Uh, I'll keep Stevie just for the, the next uh, few minutes. Stevie, what, what the disabled access is something that a lot of supporters have been calling for for some time now. Um, I have seen some gripes on social media about people maybe concerned but having to move seats as a result. Um, what, what's your overall uh, view of uh, the proposals and what was mentioned today? Well, I'll try and give what I would take as being a simplistic view on it, Derek, <laughs> of what to try and explain to, to people who might be thinking, how does it all work? So if you're looking at the back, the back rows of the Broomlone and the Copeland and the Sandy Jardin, basically talking about maybe taking three rows away from each of those three stands, and then you would make platforms where accessible um, access is, is available. That would be covered, um, potentially very good views. And then they would put lifts in each of the sections of the stand so that the people could get easy access to, to those raised platforms. Yeah. So that should hopefully give an explanation. But in turn, because that the three rows are now there, it gives the club... Um, a possibility that they can extend the front of the Copeland front and the Broomlone rear, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, they yeah, can yeah. add on to it so it would slightly hang down. So the seats then that we're losing from the, the back of the three stands could then become added on the front of the, the Copeland rear and, and the Broomlone rear. So I hope that kind of explains it in, in layman's terms of, of what I took from it. You know, we'll end up with, again, a capacity um, increase of 700 seats. So it's it's something that's in the making. It should start, as Joshua says, next summer. But yeah, very, very impressive. And it's very forward thinking, um, Derek, of the club. And it's, and it's facilities that is really needed. The current facilities and the enclosure, you know, it's terrible for weather. People can't see because officers will stand in the way and stuff as they need to police and stewards yeah. and things. So, you know, this is about giving access, the best possible access that we can. And I feel that um, the presentation was a, I'm not going to sit and it was something that I would be proud of as a club yeah. if, if we were making those strides and making those adjustments. And then obviously, I understand people being worried about maybe moving and things like that. I get that. There will be seat moves and people will have to, to move. But there's a possibility of, of brilliant seating being created right at the front of both those stands behind the goals and, and being front and central. So I would imagine that people getting removed will be offered those seats very at first. So I understand that, that some people might be a wee bit worried, but this is a forward-thinking move. Yeah. And it brings the club again, brings the stadium up levels and proper access for everyone. I think it's something that 
as a fan base and as a club we can be pretty proud of. Yeah, yeah, certainly it's a, something uh, I think that, that, that needed to happen. Um, just a couple more comments we'll, we'll, we'll get to. Uh, Bill Bam says, uh, well, a live one for me in Rainy, California, uh, Portage time. Good to have you on, uh, Bill. I'm sure even though it's raining over there, the, the temperature is uh, a, a touch warmer than it is over here in the UK. And James Strachan gets in touch, good friend of the show, says, hi, guys, nice to see you guys on. Just woke up in the hospital in pain with my knee replacement. I'll need to go back and watch what I've missed. Uh, wish you a speedy recovery, James. I know you've been in there uh, for a bit of time, so uh, hopefully you're on the mend uh, soon. Uh, just before we wrap up, Stevie, was there any other issues that, that um, you felt should have been put towards the board that, 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 that wasn't, or was there any other big talking points that you feel deserve to be uh, mentioned here? Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're venturing into the, the stage of, of, of grumpiness, though, Derek, when you ask me like, what should have been mentioned. But I think, I think the board were very lucky today to escape any questions surrounding Australia. There was absolutely nothing asked on that at all, and I thought that that would be a big topic of discussion. Yeah. It wasn't. Uh, further to that, there was no questions on um, any of the external settlements, lawsuits, etc. Again, I thought that the club were very lucky that, that nobody brought that up. And they were the two that I would have thought would have been the big ones that people have went with. But you get the ones that there, there's some obvious ones. Like my jers is a big bone of contention for people. And that was explained as, as yeah. best we could. So that took up a lot of time. I think there was two or three questions on that. And the answer basically, you know, it was also put to them a very, very pointed question on the Champions League package. And the cost of it. Yeah. And the answer, people aren't going to like this, but the answer was basically, well, we sold them out. The demand was there. Appreciate it's the high end, but we're trying to compete with other clubs. And the graph, they showed the graph of Champions League money about the clubs and our group would make guaranteed from the Champions League. From memory, I don't have it in front of me, but Liverpool were at 50 million. Rangers guaranteed income was 17.9 million. That's right. So, yeah. And they also said that after everything had all the deductions had been taken away, we'd only make something like three million pounds more than a normal Europa League run. So that gave context to, to where we are and, and what kind of money the Champions League brings us. And, and to explain why that is, it's because we had no Europe for five years. So our coefficient rating and, and income it goes down. But the more that we play in it and the more years that five years diminishes and it goes up and up but that that basically gives you an idea so this the the potential 40 million and things is is not where we are and the club went at kind of great lengths to explain that a couple yeah. of other wee significant points in the um, accounts it was confirmed champions league calvin bassey joe rebo income is not in there and at the start of the year we have a, a 13.1 million um in the bank, basically, and that's to fund the club throughout the years. John Bennett has has made available a £10 million um, fund, so to speak, that the club can use in more feral times. That was the exact terminology they mean when the club don't really make a lot of money, yeah. no Champions League income. So they're talking about that being February time. So th those were interesting things that I picked up. But financially, the club seemed to be in a, a pretty good place. They explained basically a bit about the finances and the accounts and and not getting and getting the going concern um, statement off of the accounts for the first time in in over a decade. So they were important factors. But um, all in all, 
of the things not mentioned, the big points, Derek, were, were the Australia one. And, yeah. and obviously, I thought that somebody would have asked them to maybe explain a wee bit more about settlements and things like that. And they didn't. It was all it was all questions that were, were pretty predictable. Yeah. Okay, folks, uh, that'll do us there. A big thanks to, to Stevie uh, and Joshua, uh, as ever. As Joshua mentioned earlier on, that, that AGM is on the Rangers YouTube channel. You can go and check it out for yourself. Uh, and just a reminder, uh, folks, as well, you can see the little ticker below. We've got that Christmas offer on the website just now. Uh, £1 for two months worth of content. Head over to rangersreview.co.uk forward slash subscribe uh, for all the details. And there'll be loads on there uh, from that AGM uh, earlier on today. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow to talk all things Rangers. But until then, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday.